This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray together as we come to open up God's word this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray this morning that you would help us as we look into your word. Help us to see the things that you want us to see. Help us to learn more about your son, Jesus. Help us to open our hearts and our minds and our lives to receive Jesus once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, we, uh, we started this little mini-series on, uh, on Matthew chapter 1. And we were looking at the genealogy of, uh, of Jesus. And uh, we said that it was uh, the Jesus' family tree was about history. And uh, we read all those interesting names uh, from Jesus' genealogy. Uh, we also said it was about honesty because we recognized that uh, there were people in Jesus' family tree who were somewhat dysfunctional in their family lives. But there was an honesty in that in the gospel of where Jesus' family had come from. And we also said Jesus' family is about you and me because, of course, we are part of Jesus' family today. And uh, we're continuing um, in Matthew's gospel from where we left off. And there's a sense in which we're going from the unfamiliar... Uh, those lists of names, some of those people there uh, we didn't know very much about, to what we might say is the over-familiar, a passage of scripture uh, that many of you will know off by heart that we've read so many times and especially at this time of year. So we go from a passage where we wondered whether we would find anything to say about it, all those long lists of names, to a passage of scripture where we wonder whether we can find anything that hasn't already been said about it. Because it is so familiar to us. But anyway, we're going to have a go to see whether we can find something new in this familiar passage. So the birth narrative of Jesus, we're looking at Matthew, just uh, four verses in Matthew, Matthew 18 to 21. And uh, it started with a scandal. It started with a scandal. Just because we've left Jesus' family tree behind... It doesn't mean that we've left the scandal behind. Jesus' life, even before he was born, there was controversy. There was scandal. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
Tom Wright uh, says in his book about this passage, ask any newspaper editor what sort of stories sell most copies and three categories come swiftly to mind. Sex, royalty and religion. If they can be combined, so much the better. Pop star's secret love child is good. Princess has secret affair is better. King's secret night with none is better still. It makes you wonder, doesn't it, if there had been, uh, you know, tabloid newspapers around, you know, how would they have reported um, this scandal? What sort of things would they say? Well, um, Nick Page, in his, in his little book, the, uh, the Tabloid Bible, um, he gives us an idea of just how it might have been reported. He says this, A Nazareth-based carpenter is to marry his teenage bride, despite the fact that she is pregnant. The village is abuzz with rumours and innuendo. According to the girl herself, the whole thing is a miracle. This angel appeared to me, said the girl, who is a junior and cannot be named for legal reasons, and told me I was going to have a baby. Naturally, I was confused. I mean, I don't know a lot about the process, but I know a man has to be involved somewhere. But the angel insisted that the baby will be the son of God. Joseph, 48, her husband-to-be, was ready to call off the marriage. Now it appears that even he has been convinced. God visited me in a dream and told me what was going on, he said to our reporter. Now get out of my shop before I hit you with this mallet. The Nazareth Child Support Agency has praised Joseph Choice. I think we'd have quite a lot of trouble calculating the amount of maintenance the father should pay otherwise, they said. I mean, what is a reasonable figure for the owner of the world? Most of the neighbours in the village are sceptical of the girl's claims. I can hardly believe that God would choose her, said one woman. This is obviously just an attempt to jump the housing queue. You wait. When the baby comes, it'll be red carpet treatment, private hospital bed, all mod cons, and it'll all be at the taxpayers who foot the bill. They only do it for the benefits. Maybe that's how it would have been reported if the tabloid press had been around in Jesus' day. Tom Wright says this, he goes on to say, The story makes clear that Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb before she had any sexual relationships. Many people today find this impossible to believe. But they often think this this difficulty has only arisen in modern times because of all we know about the precise mechanics of conception and birth. Not so. The ancient world didn't know about X chromosomes and Y chromosomes, but they knew as well as we do that babies are the result of sexual intercourse and that people who claim to be pregnant by any other means might well be covering up a moral and social offence. So, the birth of Jesus, it started with a scandal. And uh, when Matthew says his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, Matthew is really saying, you know, before they had sexual intercourse. He's politely saying. And the reason is given that uh, she was found to be child with, through the Holy Spirit. And, and the Bible doesn't go any further than that. It just leaves it as the mystery and miracle of God. So the birth of Jesus, uh, it started with a scandal in this month's Christianity. Uh, one of the writers puts this, he says, scandals that have a ring of truth to them. And he writes, I prefer the messy facts about Christmas to the more sanitised versions because they have a ring of truth to them. 
Given the choice, no supporter of Jesus would have fabricated the dodgy visitors or his mother's bizarre claim of virgin conception. It was a problem from the start and still is. It conveys, it conveys the opposite of glorious birth accounts in mythology and fairy stories. Yes, the story that we are familiar with began with a scandal and controversy. And it started like this. It started with a scandal and uh, the truth is that Joseph found this very hard to handle. started with a scandal which Joseph found very hard to handle. Joseph, we read, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. I'm glad that we found it difficult, or Nick found it difficult, to, uh, to get the name Joseph, because we don't know a lot about Joseph, do we? Um, he doesn't really play a very big part in the nativity story. I mean, what do we know about Joseph? Somebody once called him the most forgotten man of Christmas. What do we know about him? Anybody know anything about Joseph? He was a carpenter. We know that. Anything else? He was of David's line. Have you read my, have you read my point? You're doing very well. I've got three. If you can get the other one, you get a prize. Come on. <laughs> he owned a donkey. I don't know where he got that from. Certainly wasn't the Bible. Anything else? He was engaged to Mary. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Uh, from the line of David, we were a bit about that last week, uh, at the beginning of Matthew. Uh, husband of Mary, uh, engaged to Mary, and of course, he was a carpenter. And basically, we don't know anything else about him. Uh, we don't know what happened to him. Uh, we read about him again later on when Jesus is taken to the temple when he's about 12, but then he just disappears. It's a bit like Mrs. Miracle, if you ever watched any of those uh, uh, Channel 5 Christmas things where Mrs. Miracle just disappears at the end of the story. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. Um, but what we do know is that the most forgotten man of Christmas, in the very first nativity play, he didn't even get a speaking part. You know when, they, when they're giving out the parts and we say, who wants a speaking part? Joseph didn't get a speaking part. Mary gets lots of words. She even gets a song, Mary. Joseph, if you look very carefully, there isn't one recorded word spoken by Joseph. Uh, the narrator, Matthew, uh, tells the story, but Joseph doesn't speak. Um, it must have been a bit of a silent night with Joseph. Moving on quickly. <laughs> the, forgotten, the most forgotten man of Christmas. But we're not going to forget because uh, Joseph did find it very hard to handle. And who wouldn't in, in all reality? Um, what Mary was asking him to believe was pretty unbelievable really, wasn't it? Uh, 
you know, we're so familiar with the story, we just take it for granted that Mary accepts the news straight away and that Joseph eventually comes round to it. And we don't always take time to think of, you know, what must it have been like for that young couple? We don't tend to think about that. And we don't think about how long it took. Because Joseph was her husband, he was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But we don't know how long he had it in mind. Um, there's no kind of uh, time reference to, you know, as Matthew tells his story, he doesn't say that, you know, Joseph found out one day and the next minute he, he decided that he was going to uh, continue and he had the dream and everything else. There isn't a time frame given. And uh, I don't know about you, but I reckon he had to live with this anxiety for a while. And of course, many of us know what it's like to live with anxiety. You know, not being able to get to sleep at night because we're worrying about things. And uh, Joseph, uh, he wanted to do the right thing. And of course, according to Jewish law, the right thing to do was to divorce her. Okay, you might be saying, well, they weren't married yet. But in, in, in Jewish times, when somebody was engaged, they were, they were committed to marriage. They were betrothed. And they needed, even at the engagement point, a divorce to be able to separate them and not allow them to be married. So the right thing to do was not only to, to divorce her, uh, but actually, uh, if, if Mary was having a child out of wedlock, uh, Jewish law says that she should be stoned. So we see that Joseph really loves Mary because uh, even if, when he had it in mind to divorce her, he was going to do it quietly and uh, without any fuss uh, for Mary's protection uh, as much as his. He had it in mind in divorce, but we don't know how long. And uh, at the beginning of verse 20, it says, but after he had considered this, and again, you know, he'd obviously taken time to consider. You know, when we have important decisions to make, uh, we shouldn't rush in. We should take time to consider and take time to, 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 to allow God to speak to us. And of course, God speaks to Joseph in a pretty amazing way because Joseph found this hard to handle. But God spoke to Joseph, the dreamer. God comes to Joseph in a dream. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, we know he's on that line of David, do not be afraid. How many do not be afraid do we have in the Bible? 365, if you came to the Thursday night, you'll know there was 365, one for every day of the year. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, that same message that Jesus is being conceived through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph the dreamer. Here's a question. How many dreams did Joseph have? How many dreams did Joseph have? What do you reckon? Have a guess. One, two, three. Any advance on three? Well, let's just have a look. Obviously, uh, we're reading about one of his dreams uh, where uh, the angel appears and tells and tells Joseph that uh, that Mary's having this child conceived by the Holy Spirit. Of course, the other one that we really do know about is Joseph is warned in a dream in verse thirteen. Uh, you know, not. Uh, to uh, to return to Herod, but also uh, Joseph in in verse uh, nineteen after after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, "Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel." And there was actually four, believe it or not, he really was a dreamer. Uh, in the next 
uh, very verse, he said he got up, took the child his mother, went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that uh, Archelaus was reigning in Judah, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Four dreams. Joseph really is a dreamer, just like his Old Testament uh, namesake. Uh, God seemed to speak to him uh, through dreams. Now, we shouldn't take from that that God is going to always speak to us through dreams and start, you know, analysing analyzing every dream that we have. I think it was Scrooge who uh, blamed one of his, 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 his dream encounters with a, a piece of cheese. So we've got to be a little bit careful and be discerning about these things. But we should be open to the fact that God speaks to people in different ways. Uh, I can't off by hand think of anybody else that God spoke to in a dream. Uh, and no doubt you'll come and tell me afterwards. Obviously Joseph, his Old Testament namesake, was very good at interpreting dreams. Um, but this was the way that God spoke to, to Joseph. And, uh, you know, when, we, when we're looking for God to speak to us, uh, we need to be open to God speaking to us in different ways. Um, I've got to be honest, you know, sometimes God does speak to me in the night. Uh, sometimes I, I used to, I've kind of stopped doing that, but I used to keep a notepad uh, next to my bed because sometimes I'd get an idea in the middle of the night and I'd wake up in the morning knowing that I'd had a really good idea, but not being able to remember what it was. So I started keeping a notepad by my bed. Uh, most annoying for my wife, because I'd have to, of course, turn the light on and rustle around and get a pen out of the drawer and, and make a noise. And to write this super idea that I'd got down, you know, for a sermon, it'd be something like I'd realised that, uh, that handle rhymes with scandal or something like that, and I'd, I'd jot it down quickly. <laughs> Probably thinking it's not worth dropping it down, but there we go. Joseph the dreamer. This is what the cartoon sheep say. Totally envied Joseph. You do? I'd love to have a personal angel tell me what to, what God wants me to do in a tough spot. But you've got one. You just never listen to my advice. And while we laugh and smile, of course there's some truth in that. Because while most of us don't get a personal angel who arrives whenever we're faced with a dilemma and says this is what God wants you to do... And we do have angels all around us uh, who can give us advice. And uh, one of the best things that we can do when we, we're faced with a dilemma is talk to other Christians. When I, when I think back about some of the bad decisions that I've made, and I've made plenty of bad decisions in my life, and I'm sure you have, when I kind of reflect on that, I've not talked to enough people about it. I've not sought enough advice from other Christians with wisdom, as well as praying to God. Sometimes we do the praying to God bits, um, but we don't talk enough to other people. And of course, you know, we all need guidance and we all look to God for guidance. But we can also get guidance from other people around us and by reading God's word. So God spoke to Joseph the dreamer and uh, telling Joseph um, what he should do. And in, in this uh, speech by the angel, he's bringing news of Jesus the redeemer. So God speaks to Joseph the dreamer, bringing news of Jesus the Redeemer. I didn't get that in the middle of the night, but there you go. And he says this, she, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Interesting, some people make, make um, quite a lot of about the fact that Joseph is to give him the name Jesus and, and in that, uh, the suggestion is that Joseph while Jesus isn't his own biological son, is taking on the responsibility 
of the fatherhood of Jesus in giving the name. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. John Davis in his book, Be Born in Us Today, says this. He says, on the far side of this soul searching in his conscious mind, Joseph is given a new way forward. When his mind is inactive, when he is asleep, the rational problem-solving thinking machine is switched off. It is now Joseph's turn to receive an annunciation. It's Joseph's turn to receive that message from the angel that Jesus is going to be born. And of course, Jesus is going to be the redeemer. He's going to be the one who saves people from their sins. Michael, bringing news of Jesus the redeemer. Michael Green, in his book, The Message of Jesus, says this, so right at the beginning of the gospel, we are brought face to face with the central theme of the gospel. God, who is at work on his people since the time of Abraham, has come among them in person. He has come for a specific purpose of rescuing them from the mess they have got themselves into. Jesus is coming as redeemer, as saviour. He is the one who is going to be able to save people from their sins. And even before Jesus is born... Mary and Joseph are given this good news. Not only that their son is born, conceived from the Holy Spirit, we'll be thinking a little bit more about that as we finish off next week our series on Matthew chapter 1, but also the reason for Jesus coming, that he's going to be the one who will save not just Israel, but all people from their sins. And the fact that God is sending Jesus, his son, into the world to save people from their sins has within it the suggestion that we need such a person. You know, if, uh, if, 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 if our greatest need had been, you know, education, God would have sent us an educator. You know, if, if our greatest need had been, uh, had, had been health, God would have sent a doctor. But if our greatest need is to be forgiven for the mess that we make of our lives, it seems to make sense that God sends a saviour, a redeemer. God sends us just what we need, just at the right time. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So a familiar passage, it started with a scandal um, that Joseph found hard to handle. God spoke to Joseph the dreamer, bringing news of Jesus the redeemer. In a few moments we're going to gather around the Lord's table to remind ourselves what it was that Jesus came to do, what he did on the cross and what that means for us. And uh, as we prepare to do that, we're just going to play a song uh, to help us to meditate on what we've been thinking about and help us to prepare to receive that communion with God. We want to say hallelujah. And uh, we're just going to play you the song Christmas, hallelujah.